Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. Chris Jones got a sack, the Chiefs got a win, and the playoffs are set. It is playoff week at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for hitting that play button and being with us. This is going to be a lot of fun today as we'll spend a few minutes talking about what happened over this weekend to set the playoffs up. And Stan Weber will join us to break it all down and preview Monday night's national championship game between Michigan and Washington. It is indeed a football feast here at KKHI. Watching the Chiefs on Sunday was certainly a different exercise for all of us. It was at many times painful to watch. It lacked an entertainment value, and it certainly lacked the drama of most football games in the NFL where there's something on the line. This felt a little bit more like a preseason game than a game that you would play right before the playoffs start. But there were some moments. There was Blaine Gabbert scrambling around, running for first downs. The Chiefs with a dramatic defensive touchdown and long return. And, of course, Chris Jones playing in this game, trying to get that elusive final sack for a $1.25 million contract bonus. And his teammates went absolutely wild. So he must have promised something to his defensive teammates if he got the thing. They absolutely went crazy. Was it selfish? Well, they said Travis Kelsey decided not to play because he didn't want to be selfish. So I guess that does make it selfish that Chris Jones did play as long as he did to try to get that sack. But in the end, as a lot of things work out with the Chiefs, if the injury doesn't happen, and there are not always very good chances of somebody getting hurt and something bad happening or something going wrong, these things can be a positive. Looked like a team-building moment to me. It actually looked like something that brought the team together, got them excited. The celebration was insane. The Chiefs get a win. It must have been a great flight home. They're locked and loaded and focused on playoff week, which is good. All of Hollywood is wondering why Travis Kelsey was not at the Golden Globes on Sunday night with Taylor Swift. They clearly do not understand football. It's playoff week. He's with his team, and it's a quick turnaround. This will not be a normal week for the Chiefs. They're not going to get their typical day and a half off to just go rest, relax, do whatever. They're back at work at Arrowhead Stadium as we speak, getting ready for a Saturday night game against the Miami Dolphins. That's because the Dolphins, they're not in the free fall the Eagles are in, but the Dolphins are not well, okay? The patient is sick. There are problems with the Dolphins. There's problem with the Dolphins' offense, and there's real problems for them Saturday night because what they do and the way they play does not translate well at all to a Saturday night game that could have wind chills at zero, I mean, this could be an unbelievably frigid game on Saturday night at Arrowhead Stadium. It'll be on Channel 41 locally in Kansas City. If you listen to the podcast outside of Kansas City, the only way to watch is to stream it on Peacock. Peacock streaming will be your answer if you live outside of Kansas City to watch the Chiefs and the Dolphins. What we like about the matchup, again, is the Dolphins don't look particularly focused. They don't look particularly tough. The big plays that they make in September and October and the plays that they have consistently made against lesser teams and lesser defenses have dried up. Tua was not very good Sunday night against the Bills. Tyreek Hill does not look like Tyreek Hill. Now, he's got a bit of an ankle problem, and he got the living spit beat out of him last night. I mean, they were hitting him hard with any passes that were contested. They were physical and pounded on him. But Tyreek Hill, when he was here in Kansas City, what we remember about him was Every 50-50 ball he caught, he was tough as nails, sure-handed and tough, and he looks like he's kind of spoiled and kind of rich and kind of knows he's a Hall of Famer and he's won a Super Bowl and he's got all this stuff going on, 
He did not look the same on Sunday night. I'll take all that I can get at Arrowhead on Saturday night. I just love the Chiefs in this matchup. I don't love the Chiefs. I just, I, really, I don't. I, I I think this looks really hard. I think the the possibility of the Chiefs winning at Buffalo and Baltimore back-to-back is not very good. Okay, but I also, a couple of weeks ago, was thinking I don't really like the Chiefs' chances of winning their first-round game. You'll think I'm crazy, but I actually would rather play Miami than Houston. I know I'd rather play Miami than Buffalo. These were other options. Of course, you'd rather play Pittsburgh than any of them, but that didn't happen for the Chiefs. So as it turns out, would you rather play C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans right now? I wouldn't. That team's tough, man. And they got they got a want to about them. And for all the flash and dash things the Dolphins have been, the Texans have just been workmanlike in getting it done. And they go out on the road and they win. They win their division. They get a home game this week, the Houston Texans. I just, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for them. They're playing against Cleveland. I think that's a good football game. And the, and the team that wins that is worthy. That's going to be a that's, that's going to be a good team that advances. All right, there's the slouches in this thing. We kind of know what they are, right? Tampa Bay's no good. Pittsburgh's no good. We know in each conference which team has no chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Those are them. I think it comes from a group of six at this point. I think it's either Baltimore, Kansas City, or Buffalo in the AFC. I think it's either San Francisco, Dallas, or Detroit in the NFC. I know those are scratch picks. The outsiders for me. I, I'm not going to say that C.J. Stroud isn't a great player because I I think there's greatness in this young guy. I do think Houston's future is in front of them. I think their future is brighter than Miami's future going forward. But I don't I, I won't tell you this isn't their time that they can't go win all these games because that guy can play. D'Amico Ryan's can coach. They got some really good things going on. The wild card team in the NFC is the Rams because they've got so many players on that team that have done this before and a coach that's done it before. Should they go and play against the Niners, which are the prohibitive favorite in the NFC, that's a division game. That's a game the Niners don't want. They don't want to see the Rams in the playoffs. I can promise you that. San Francisco wants no part of Los Angeles. This Puka Nakua is an unbelievably great receiver. He set rookie records that have been on the books for 60 years for receptions and yardage this year. And they're playing better ball down the stretch. So there's some good teams out there. It is possible that one from the pack could advance, win three times, and get to the Super Bowl. But it looks more to me like the group of six is going to be in some fashion, some form the Super Bowl. That'll be either Baltimore, Kansas City, or Buffalo against the Niners, Dallas, or Detroit. Stan Weber will join us in just a few minutes to go over all of it. It's been a blast watching the Eagles in their free fall. I don't think anybody gives the Eagles any kind of a chance at this point to make the Super Bowl. They're in an absolute free fall. They just get destroyed by the Giants on Sunday. And Nick Sirianni, the head coach, actually is is kind of in hot water in Philadelphia. The fans have turned on him. It looks like the team has quit on him. And it all started right after they won at Arrowhead. You remember Nick Sirianni's little dance on the grave of the Chiefs in that tunnel at Arrowhead, how unprofessional that was? Do you remember seeing the video and hearing what Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, said and did after beating the Chiefs? somehow that erased the fact that they puked the game away in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, and they felt like they'd done something really great. Since then, they've done squat. This team's in a free fall, and it's kind of fun to watch. It is fun to cheer against Nick Sirianni. Now, I like the guy. I'm I'm sitting there in the Super Bowl watching him watch the national anthem, and it's bringing tears to his eyes, and I just I want to like the guy, but there's nothing likable about him. Eagles fans don't even like the guy anymore. 
and they are a hot mess as the playoffs are getting ready to start. And that was one of the highlights for me of the weekend was watching another Eagles meltdown. I told you for weeks, I don't think they're very good. I've thought the same thing about the Ravens. I think the Ravens are overrated and overvalued. And everybody right now has them down as just a slam dunk, darn near shoe in for the Super Bowl. And I just don't see it that way. When you get in a close, tough game and your quarterback has to win the game and your quarterback is Lamar Jackson, you've got problems. And the reason you've got problems, and I know their offensive scheme is different, Lamar Jackson, and you know this, he's won the MVP, he's going to win it again. That right? They're saying he's going to win the MVP this year? Are you ready for this stat? Do you remember this stat? Lamar Jackson has won one playoff game in his life. One. Lamar Jackson has one playoff victory. All right, that's a real sample size now. I think he's one in three or one in four, but he's been in the playoffs multiple times. They're always in the hunt. They're a good franchise. He always has a good defense. That team has won one playoff game with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. That matters. That's not, it's not, he's not a second year player. If CJ Stroud wins on Saturday with the Texans, he'll have as many playoff wins as Lamar Jackson. Keep that in mind as we go forward. I, I think the second game at Buffalo looks really hard, man. I'd, I'd give anything for Pittsburgh to beat Buffalo. That would just be incredible for the Chiefs, but uh, they got a little help with the injury to Burrow this year, and the Bengals are out of this thing. So the road is what it is. The Chiefs have to play better. They've certainly got every chance. There was one crazy stat from the weekend that I saw that I'll share before we bring Stan in here to talk about all things NFL playoffs and national championship. I like Washington on Monday night. And that is a stat going into the final game of the season last night on Sunday Night Football. The Bills and Dolphins were getting ready to play. And the NFL or somebody, some I don't know who it was, some gambling site, whatever, posted on X, going into tonight's game at Miami, the home team in the NFL, this is incredible, the home team in the National Football League for the entire season against the spread, against the Vegas spread, the home team's cover record against the spread was 129, 129, and 9. That's win-loss tie against the spread, 129, 129, and 9. The Dolphins did not cover on Sunday night, so ultimately, ultimately, it was 129, 130, and 9 against the spread for home teams in the NFL. That is just ridiculous. Stan Weber's appearance on KKHI is brought to you by Back Nine Development, Kansas City's custom builder. Anywhere in Kansas City, Lawrence, Topeka, Manhattan, TJ Vilkanskis would love to sit down and work with you. He is designing right now with his team of designers a new house for friends of ours that they're building, and it just sounds fantastic. And the process and everything they're going through is like clockwork. They're really having a blast coming together, thinking about what they want to do and how they're going to design this house and how they're going to build it. And TJ's with them every step of the way. TJ's awesome. You're going to love working with Back 9 Development. 785-236-0161. If you're ready to build, contact back9development.com. Advantage Termite Pest Control for all your pest control and lawn care needs this year. If you don't, if you got somebody else that typically has put down your fertilizer and your, you know, your crabgrass preventer and all this other stuff, Advantage Termite and Pest Control does that as well as pest control. They'll do it all as one service charge, one auto pay quarterly, or however you want to set it up. AdvantageTPC.com is the website, or call Advantage and say I'm ready to switch from this national corporation and these people I don't know 
to a great local business of conservatives that have been that have built a great business and, and hired dozens and have employed dozens of people in the Kansas City area now for almost 30 years. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, 913-768-8989. And Dr. Kip Van Camp and his team at Ideal Health KC. They're located in Shawnee at K7 and Shawnee Mission Parkway. This is regenerative medicine. Dr. Van Camp is a double board certified interventional radiologist. The guy is a big time radiologist and decided to switch his practice to regenerative medicine when he began helping his father with this and extended his dad's life. Maybe this is about life extension. Maybe it's just about getting rid of pain for you. Maybe you have chronic shoulder pain or back pain or circulation problems, or maybe you just haven't felt the same since getting the COVID shots. All these things can be helped with Dr. Kip Van Camp with tissue therapy, blood spinning, a lot of different ways to go here. If you'd like to get a consultation with Dr. Van Camp, call their office today, 913-745-5300, and go meet the man and see if he might be able to help you feel better. Stan Weber makes me feel better every time we get to talk football together, and we're ready to do it right now on the Football Feast at KKHI. Hit it! The Kevin Keatsman Has Issues Conversation is brought to you by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. Online at robertsrobinson.com. There's no waiting in the NFL. By the time we even got a chance to say hello to Stan Weber, a couple of NFL coaches have been fired. It doesn't take long in this league to get the excitement of the playoffs going, and the teams that are out are way out. Hello, Stan. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kevin. The NFL had an unbelievable season. Uh, 17 games, whatever, in 18 or 19 weeks. They just, again, hit home runs all over the place. And so it was a good regular season game to finish it off. How about that? You get Miami and Buffalo playing for the number two seed. So it's just been so much fun. And, and then you get to the best part of the football season where you get a chance to watch these teams in the playoffs. So very much looking forward to the playoffs. But just got to say, Thank you, thank you, thank you again for the regular season of the NFL. Just an amazing job again. There's some great stories out there. Obviously, C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans are a great story. Cleveland's back in the playoffs. Really good story. Green Bay has recovered. It looks like Jordan Love is a real player, and, and this is a good – there's a lot of really good stories in the NFL, but I am fixated right now on the free falls. And the first of those is like the Eagles are just a complete train wreck. All right, the Miami Dolphins are coming to Kansas City Saturday night. And I don't really like the way they're playing football right now. What's a bigger deal to you? Teams that are like stepping up and playing well, or these teams that just seem to be spiraling out of control? Well, I think the spiral is very interesting to take account of because I don't know if there's enough appreciation for most of our listeners are probably big Kansas City Chief fans. I know we heard internationally now, Kevin, so I don't want to limit right. uh, fans of other teams. But hey, the Chiefs want Germany and other place, places in the world to love the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you think about it, I think it's very much a reference point to say, how do the Kansas City Chiefs under Andy Reid just continue to win division after division after division and then play as well as they have in the playoffs and be such a factor? It is so hard. Gravity is pulling on you so much to come down. And everyone says, oh, Pete Rozelle set this up and he wanted parity. And the NFL draft has a reverse order. If you're good, you draft last. If you're bad, you draft first. Scheduling, actually, there's not as much difference in the schedule as people think, but there is a game or two. And so scheduling, they're doing everything they can to try to pull you down like the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, you almost win the Super Bowl, and the next year, look how hard it is to maintain. Well, those things can be set up and say, 
yeah, the NFL is structured that way. I'll give you a little bit of that salary cap, whatever. But Kevin, it's more of the human psychology. It is so hard to keep pushing when you achieve some things and you start thinking it's your God given right, or you are just so good. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think that they came into this season thinking, Oh, look at us. I mean, we got a young football team and a coach that's on his way up and could have won the Super Bowl last year. And look at our quarterback. He may be the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, how stoic, how tough looking at his run. We got a play that no one can stop using the Eagles. As an example, uh, the Eagles haven't failed yet because they're still in the playoffs and they can do some work, but, Kevin, it's so hard to stay on top. It's so hard to be relevant and win those big games. I look at it more like we can discuss those situations, but that's human nature working. When you got a hundred people or two hundred people at an NFL organization that really matter in day to day activity, how do you keep everyone pulling in the same direction with a humble work ethic and a bit of confidence and magic and all those things? It's just amazing how the Chiefs continue to do it. You can talk about what a disappointment this year is. But compared to others, Kevin, right. again, Andy Reid has the Chiefs in a pretty darn good situation compared to most. We haven't well, seen teams repeat the Super Bowl since, what, 03 and 04? This is not where the Chiefs should be. They shouldn't be a favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they are, but for those who are disappointed, that's not how it works. Right. So get ready for a fun playoff. Think of yourself as a humble team that is doing so much and could do so much this year in the playoffs, but it's not really easy to stay on top. All right. Is there anything to take away from Sunday's game? I mean, I, the thing I saw was, and, and a lot of I've already gotten a lot of emails and heard from people that didn't like Chris Jones playing. They thought it was selfish, trying to get this money. But the way his teammates reacted, the fact that he didn't get hurt, I'll be darned if this didn't look like a positive to me for the Chiefs, like a team-building exercise. Travis Kelsey sat out because he thought it would be too selfish. Chris Jones didn't care. He wanted the money. And his teammates loved it. So I can only imagine the flight home, the celebration, all that. A bunch of guys got to play that don't really get to play. Is there anything other than just like team building? Was there anything you saw on the field or play of any players that you believe will help the Chiefs going forward? I think McCole Hardman getting in the rhythm without pressure got him prepared. You know, the Chiefs don't have a very high hurdle to be a good receiver in their core, right? Uh, and Hardman's been injured. And since he's been traded back to the Chiefs, you can't say he's been a big savior or anything else. But he's a guy who could play and play off football with a Kansas City Chief uniform on, different number, and do some things. I thought it was very good that he got a chance to go out there and play without the pressure of being scrutinized on every play. If he dropped one, fine, but he made some good plays. I think that was helpful. Uh, the other, other thing is team building. You know, I went into the game talking about the subject, Kevin. Absolutely talked about the subject of team building. And I did it with the reverse attitude that I thought Travis Kelsey would be out on the field and make sure he got 16 yards receiving to get his eighth straight year of 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, I didn't know if Chris Jones would play. I hope the Chiefs would just say, here's your million-plus bonus. Okay, we're going to pay it as if you got the sack. You don't need to go out there. That's how I hoped it would be sorted out. But when the Chiefs didn't do that, you can't blame him for going out there and, and trying to get it done. I thought Kelsey would play and Chris Jones would rest. Uh, and then they both would have the accolades. But I thought it was a team-building situation. I talked before the game about you can spark a sideline and get them going when something like this happens with their teammates on a day there's nothing to spark anything about. You're right. This was like a preseason game. And to answer your question generally, no, I got very little out of it. I had, what, were there seven games being played at that time, Kevin? And the Chiefs were the sixth most interesting game to me out of seven that were being played in the NFL. How can that be? Right. I mean, just, and Andy did an amazing job. 
Like, I, I heard you only have a 53-man active roster, Kevin. I heard you only got to shoot up 45 guys. It looked like the Chiefs were finding guys I didn't know about on the field all over the place. They did a great job of not playing that many starters. So they did a good job of making it all about the preseason and just say, hey, what's Gabbert look like and, and those kind of things. But when Chris Jones made that sack and you saw that whole sideline explode, I thought that was going to happen when Travis got his 16th yard. And I thought that was a big thing in this game because, Kevin, that is important. Yeah, You you, you I, grind, man. This is a grind. These guys are well, days. They so, don't even – like a boxer. They don't think about next week. You know, it's hard to get them excited. Well, that here's, was great here, here's what I like. When you played, you were the leader of your team, okay? You were a quarterback, so you're the leader of the team. What I love seeing in football is when you can tell that the balance of the roster, the rank and file, love their leaders. And what that said to me was, this team loves Chris Jones. I think that's important. Super important, and a reminder is so important, Kevin. Because in the point of year, I'm, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. They are in a dazed grind. We talk about, you talk about every NFL player, what do they say? They are so beat up right now. Sure, they're, they aren't on, on any injury report. That's just normal. They are beat up. Mentally, they are worn out. But that doesn't mean they can't play at a high level. They got a sequence from how awful they feel on Monday after the game to getting fired up and ready to go on Sunday. They're like a machine, man. They don't have the normal emotions that we do. They don't get fired up for games. They just go out and play, do their job, grind, do it again, and it just seems like it's never going to end. When you get a few chances to really appreciate what you have and enjoy and love each other, that is worth its weight in gold. That's what most NFL teams don't have, Kevin. They don't have the magic to really fight for their teammates. Everyone talks about it. You know, I'm a selfless player, and I want my team to win the Super Bowl. They have agents in their ear that says, you're an independent contractor. They're going to cut your ass. Bill Belichick's about ready to get traded. I mean, come on. You know, no one cares about you. Play for yourself. Act like you're good with your teammates. But come on. That's what they're told. That's what the NFL says. We're going to cut you. We're going to trade you. You know, it's a ruthless deal. The players understand that. They don't gripe about it to us, do they? But they don't really, deep down, have that connectivity that we wish they did. That event, did you see the connectivity? Yeah. Did you see the joy, the yes. love, the excitement? I mean, they even got Andy Reid to walk over there to yeah, Chris cool. Jones. Because you know he would love to just say, it's business as usual. Chris, I knew you were going to get it. You know, let's go. But he went over. It was a great connection at the perfect time. <laughs> well, he, On a day that meant nothing, it meant a lot as the Chiefs get fired up before the playoffs. Yeah, he needs to send like a gold watch to Easton Stick, though, because Stick fell more than he got sacked, and Jones was just the closest guy. So it's like, <laughs> I could have got that sack, I think, Stan. I just needed to be the closest guy to where the quarterback fell to the ground. It was fantastic. It was really good for the Chiefs, and now they play the Miami Dolphins, and I don't, I, I do not, look, it's the playoffs, and the Chiefs are not great, all right? They're good. They're not great. I think they're going to elevate. There, there's something that you know, I, this looks too good to be true. The Dolphins are not in the free fall that the Eagles are in, but their offense isn't right. Um, I got a buddy who tells me that Tua has never played a game where it's been under 35 degrees. We're talking about a wind chill of zero Saturday night. The Dolphins have to come to Kansas City and play smash mouth football and run the ball if they want to win. Their passing game has dried up. And Tyreek Hill, I'm going to guess you saw the same thing I saw on Sunday night. This guy used to catch every 50-50 ball with the Chiefs. His hands weren't there. He doesn't appear to be as tough. Now, they knocked him around. They hit him hard. I, You know, players get spoiled. They get softer. They make a lot of money. It isn't as easy when you're Tyreek Hill's age as it was a few years ago or when you were hungrier. 
I, this does not look good for the Miami Dolphins. I, I just don't see them as the kind of team that's coming to Arrowhead to beat the Chiefs. Do you? It doesn't set up well for them. Uh, there's still possibilities. There's no doubt about it. But let's start with Tyreek Hill. He's starting to drop some balls. Right. And we haven't seen that. Uh, you go back, they played a big game against Baltimore a week ago. And right at the end of the first half, he was about seven yards deep in the end zone, basically running toward the goalpost and had a ball hit him right above his head in his hands. He never drops that. And it bounced off his hands and just flew away like he was a rim at a basketball game or something. It wasn't even close. So he has had some drops. You know, you if you watched Hard Knocks with the Miami Dolphins, usually every team that I watch Hard Knocks with, I have less um, confidence in. Okay, so we got to remember, and I always point this out, the dysfunction in the NFL is incredible. I mean, you don't if you can get your game together at all, you can pass up a lot of people. But when you watch that Miami Dolphin deal, you can see that they are self motivated. You know, the the coaching is just there, there's no excellence, no demand. These guys just want to be good because they happen to want to be good. And that doesn't take you over the hump. So Tyreek Hill is self-motivated. He wants to be the greatest wide receiver ever. He wanted to get 2,000 yards receiving this year. He had a chance. But the injuries are building up. The personal stuff is building up. I mean, you, you can't walk back home with a boot on your foot from practice and look up at your $7 million home being on fire, flames coming out of the roof, and just act like it's another day at the office. You know, so he's got a lot going on, but he has started missing some passes. He's battling injuries. You know, in the interception at the end of the game last night, he took a rest. Yeah, he was off the he field. He walked off the field, yeah. and his sub is the guy that didn't get to the ball right. and has an interception. You could basically say Tyreek Hill caused the interception by Tua by walking off the field. So the Miami team is not functioning at a high level because they got a ton of injuries. But also, look back to last year. Under this coach, you realize they didn't win a game in December last year? Right. So they have they're a little bit like the Dallas Cowboys who fade at the end, but they faded at the end so bad last year, Kevin. It was a trend that we need to think about now. Miami got lucky and won a game in December, but that's just because Dallas gave them the game. I mean, Dallas knows how to lose in December on the road on grass better than Miami uh, <laughs> loses in December. That was the loser, not the winner. There's no winner in that game. Dallas gave them the game. Right. And so Miami is, is struggling again in December. They've got injuries. Let's go to the game real quick. Because if you think the Chiefs are favorite, and you look at the weather, and you generally start with, wow, Miami's not going to like this weather. And they basically had home games to end the season, so they haven't played in Buffalo and New York recently in their division. Normally, Kevin, I would start with this. Any weather that you tell me about, I would say discount it and don't talk about it because of two things. One, I don't know how the NFL quarterbacks do it and the receivers, but they act like weather's not even an issue. They just play ball. That's a great compliment to them. But Secondly, these guys didn't all grow up in Miami and live there the last 15 years. And the Kansas City Chiefs aren't all, you know, Shawnee Mission North High School grads like you. They come from all over the U.S. They pop down and have a season together. So cold weather doesn't usually affect teams. But I do have to ask, in this case, how much will it affect Tua? Because right. he has to have everything right. Yes. Everything. There can't be any rush. He can't move an inch off his spot. Kevin, he is, he is so overweight or whatever you want to call it. Thick, uh, that's a nice word, thick. Um, he can't move. It has to be thrown within 2.5 seconds, and he'll deliver a good ball. Or will he with his I, hand I, cold? Will he use a glove? You know, this is, this is a factor in this game. Yeah, he's never thrown in this. And he grew up in Hawaii, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, this I mean, it, this is completely different, and there's no way to simulate it. And I, I think if I'm, if I'm Mike McDaniel, I might be coming up here a couple days early. 
I'm like, okay, let's go up and get outside somewhere. Let's go to Rockhurst. I don't, you know, I don't care where, but let's get two up here throwing the football because the ball itself is different. And he's played in New England in some places because he's in that division. He's played, but he's not nothing like Saturday night. Now Mahomes hasn't played a lot. This is very rare weather for Kansas City, right? This is going to be extreme cold, ridiculous cold. I fear that the crowd won't be that loud because I'm not sure that it's going to be full. I'm, I'll be honest with you. You have to pay me money to go to this game and sit out in that cold. There's no way I would go do it. And I'm I'm a spoiled old man, but there's no way, Stan. It's just it's too darn cold. I was actually glad that the Dolphins are here and not the Steelers. My fear was if the Steelers came here, they might bring 30,000 fans with them and have more fans in the seats. Chiefs fans are not fired up by a wild card round game. That's just the fact of the matter. We, they're spent out. They've spent so much money on AFC title games and all this other stuff. This is not a big ticket in Kansas City. It just isn't. No, and you got a bunch of gloves on and stuff. You just can't make the same amount of noise. <laughs> your, your mouth is a little frozen. It's definitely going to be a factor. And we can't look past the Chiefs' deficiencies on offense and say, is there a little concern that they don't function well in the weather? The Chiefs are not a precision, like, this is, this is an easy way to beat you 17 ways over. What happens if a Chief receiver, oh, they drop some balls anyway? What happens if they drop a ball or fumble three steps after they get it just because it's colder than heck? This is extreme weather. It might affect the game. If you're a Miami fan, I don't know how you could be happy about this. you got to think our guys are going to struggle more than the Chiefs, but it's a big variable for both teams. Now, I want to get back to the Miami Dolphins because we made it seem like, oh, Chiefs win easily. This will not necessarily be easy, and here's where you got to watch. What is the situation with the Miami running game? Okay, Kevin, you got a good, fast running back in Raheem Mostart. He has not played the last few weeks. But if he plays in this playoff game and he's healthy and he hasn't played a lot in the last couple of games, and then you take A-Chain, the running back who you saw last night, get tackled for minus three if you grab him quickly and he goes for 10 like it's no big deal, the fastest player in the NFL maybe. Uh, what is Waddle? Is Waddle going to play? Is Tyreek going to be somewhat healthy and fire up and be full of adrenaline coming back to Arrowhead? He didn't get that chance. Remember, this game was in Germany when these two teams played earlier. So the Miami Dolphins have explosive players, Kevin. And in this kind of weather, if they can get their running game going, it is hard to tackle someone in this weather as well. You might bounce off of a guy and no one else touch him. So a high variable is the running game. Not because the weather is so bad that neither team can pass. I'm not going to go down that, that way. But I think the Miami running game can really hurt you, and they got big play potential. They throw the ball down the line against the Chiefs a lot. Remember the Germany game? Because the Chiefs defense can stop Tyreek Hill better than others. They got the right guys to match up. You know, unbelievable cornerbacks that can match up and play man-to-man. They know what it's like to play Tyreek Hill. They blitz. So what do you do? You throw the ball down the line, keep it simple, and try to break a play. Remember when Tyreek Hill did that right before the half in Germany? They stripped the ball from him and took it back for a Chiefs touchdown to turn the game their way. So Miami has some answers, even in the weather, with explosiveness. So I'm really going to be watching you know, who's healthy for Miami and be concerned about their running game. And then can Pacheco really carry the ball and get another 100-yard game? Because he didn't play this week, but two weeks ago, Kevin, he really got after it. And I don't think of the Chiefs as a running team. In fact, I always say, if I'm a defensive coordinator for the other team, I love it when they hand it off to Pacheco every time. It's like, Falls out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, I love it. Give me that, you know, hey, he runs for seven yards. Who cares? Is that going to beat you? Well, in a game like this, it might. The Chiefs might lean on their defense. 
If they can run the ball like they did two weeks ago, Kevin, we may see a different version, a cold weather version, a Marty Schottenheimer type of version of Andy Reid's offense. I, I think that we may be looking at who can run the ball better in this game because that is a an area that each team can be attacked in. Right. And maybe because of the weather, they can be a little careful with where they throw the ball. All right, I don't want to go through every game on the schedule this weekend, but I, I'm sure one or two maybe stand out to you. A lot of people will talk about Green Bay and Dallas. There's a lot of playoff history here between these two t- teams. I, I love that. I love the fact that Jordan Love is, is they've come on and they've won late. And I, I, I'm a Dallas fan like you. I'm not as big a Dallas fan as you, but I, I do like the Cowboys. I just, they've always entertained me. I, the Cowboys are always fun to watch. So that's kind of why I just like watching Dallas games. To me, that's the marquee matchup of this weekend is Green Bay at Dallas. Is that the biggest game, and or, or what? What are you really looking forward to this first weekend? Well, I oh, that's not fair because I say every game, right? Yes. I know. Uh, yeah, that's easy. But no, here's the game to watch. There's some teams I know, Kevin. You could structure questions ten different ways, and you don't have a chance to do that because no one wants to listen to a four hour podcast. So <laughs> uh, you got to pick and choose. You know, another question you might ask is. You know, who could possibly be dangerous to go all the way to the Super Bowl? If the Chiefs are lucky enough to be a Super Bowl team, who are they going to have to battle through? How could this play out? Not all these teams are even. And if you go down that path, I'll start in the NFC real quick, Kevin. I am really intrigued about the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, This is a team. It's hard to stay on top, okay? They won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Stafford's a big-time quarterback. Remember their coach, thought of as such a great coach? He hasn't gone away, Kevin. Aaron Donald is rating out as the best defensive player in the league. They keep saying Chris Jones is the best inside interior defender other than Aaron Donald, right? So in Miami has, I mean, uh, the Los Angeles Rams have now two receivers that are unbelievably reliable. I think the Rams are sneaky good because they're finding their rhythm. They play in a division where they got to play San Francisco twice a year, so you might not think about them very much. They are a very dangerous team going to Detroit. If you're a Detroit fan, and then you got Stafford, a Detroit quarterback, coming back. These two teams traded these quarterbacks. They're on opposite teams now. I am intrigued by that game because not because of all the headlines of storylines, right? Watch the Rams, Kevin. The Rams could win this game over Detroit. That would send them to San Francisco. This is key for Chiefs fans. Sometimes you win the Super Bowl because you're flat out the best team, okay? That's awesome. But you also sometimes win the Super Bowl because things fall your way. What the Chiefs want, if they happen to make the Super Bowl, is to have anybody but the San Francisco 49ers across the field. Okay? Who's the most likely team to beat the 49ers? A division foe. The Rams. Not because they won in the last regular season game, because that was backup quarterbacks. I'm telling you, the Rams are not intimidated by a division foe like the 49ers at all. Rams beat Detroit. Rams beat San Francisco. And now Dallas can think about being a Super Bowl team. Philadelphia can open their minds up and say, hey, we're going to turn it on in the playoffs. We could be a Super Bowl team. And teams like the Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, they don't want to play the 49ers. Watch the Rams. They are a giant variable in this equation. Is it the same thing with the Ravens if the if they play the Browns? Yes. You might if you're a Chiefs fan, you want the Browns to just go ahead and get matched up with Baltimore. And they could definitely beat the Ravens. Mm. That will be a 55-45 game. 55% chance Baltimore wins. Wow. 45%. Yes, Cleveland see, I, will not care that they're on the road. They're playing a division foe, and they're doing it with Flacco. He has ice running through his veins, okay? That may be bad for most regular seasons. He's not the greatest quarterback ever, Kevin, 
but the dude doesn't even know he's in the playoffs. He throws the ball downfield. You know what's won in the Super Bowl era, the, the almost 60 years of Super Bowl era, Kevin? You know what's won all the time? Al Davis told you, throw the ball downfield. Yeah. You don't win Super Bowls by running the football. You throw down the field. Flacco is one of the few quarterbacks who is going to be launching passes down the field where it's one-on-one situations, and they have a good running game and a very good defense. Cleveland is sneaky good and maybe a harder team to beat than the Ravens. If Lamar's on his hottest game, then Baltimore is the best team in football. Okay, They beat San Francisco the other day on the road, and Lamar put on a show. He did. But how often out of 10 times will Lamar put on a show? Well, Kevin, he'll, you know, he'll do it two, the regular season. Like two out of 10. The dude's been around forever. He's going to have two MVPs on awards on his mantle. He's won one stinking playoff game in his life. One. Yeah. I mean, one. And you, you do not want to play a division foe because they're not intimidated yeah. by you. If you're, uh, if you're the team that's the favorites, you do not want to see a division foe. Cleveland has a really put-together team if Flacco's on his game, and I don't know why he wouldn't. He's not nervous. He was never nervous with the Baltimore Ravens. He doesn't have that gene in him. You know, he doesn't get fired up. He just walks out there and goes, I can zing the ball downfield. Why wouldn't I? I got receivers down there, and then you got Kareem Hunt running the football. Yeah, Cleveland's a dangerous team. Dangerous, yeah. they're, they're, they're really good. Uh, you didn't ask me that, but you know, Houston's a cute team. can beat anybody, but they're not going to make the Super Bowl. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, we see how they're coached how beat up they are. I don't think they can put it together enough. They could win a game. There's no doubt about it. They're very dangerous. And if they play at their highest level, they're explosive and really, really good. Uh, Pittsburgh is playing great football right now. Uh, they got a new quarterback in the game, the old Oklahoma State Cowboy. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, Kevin. Pittsburgh's playing really good football, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They have no chance to put together a run to the Super Bowl. So you got the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, and the Baltimore Ravens are the three most likely teams at the AFC. Cleveland unlikely to put it together on the road over and over and over again. But a very dangerous team. And hopefully Cleveland takes out Baltimore so the Chiefs don't have to beat them. And to bring it on, Buffalo Bills. Chiefs versus Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Take it every day. I don't care where the game's played. The Chiefs might make the Super Bowl on a year where they are much less of a team than they were in 2000, uh, last year right. even, right? Yeah. But they can still get it done. You need an upset. Have someone beat Baltimore for you, and the Chiefs ah. may be able to make it. But I think Buffalo, Kansas City, or Baltimore in the AFC, San Francisco is the best team in football, the most reliable. They can do everything. But if the Rams can yeah, upset them, then I think that you got uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles Rams, Dallas Cowboys. Those three teams in the, are the best chances in the NFC. Interesting. Not Detroit. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, before we get to college football, the national title game, I want to remind everybody, Stan Weber's appearance on KKHI is brought to you by ticketsforless.com. Your promo code this week for the Chiefs playoff game is Chiefs win. That's Chiefs win. 15% off your ticket purchase at ticketsforless.com. If you'd like to go to the game or if you're ready to go watch some college basketball or see a concert, ticketsforless.com always accepts the promo code KKHI. You will save money at checkout at ticketsforless.com. Advanced Medical Imaging, see what's inside at Advanced Medical Imaging. When something happens in your life, you need an MRI or a CT scan, why wait? Why stay in your hospital chain and wait five weeks for your MRI? You can get it done today or tomorrow at Advanced Medical Imaging, online at medimageks.com. And Amini's Galleria, 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. This is Amini's. They got all kinds of cool stuff you can still get in time for all these big playoff games, leather theater seating or game tables, 
to play with your buddies when they're coming over to the big games. It's all at Aminis and online at Aminis.com. Stan, I love this national title game. This really is, to me, two different styles of football. Michigan's a little more old school the way they do it. Washington's coach, DeBoer, this guy is, is, I mean, this might be the best offensive mind in America, and they've got the quarterback to execute it. I love this matchup. Contrasting styles, national title on the line. What's your take on Michigan and Washington on Monday night? Well, I want to add one more thing to your list of why it is so exciting, undefeated teams. I mean, think about this. They won their league. You and I are big. Don't tell me about your playoff chances if you didn't win your league, right? So they won their league. Then they prove it in a championship game in their conference. So that is part of winning their league is not only playing the 12 games, going out and winning one more. Hmm, that's impressive. And then they win a semifinal game against a legitimate opponent to continue on. So we're sitting here with two teams that have proven it. 14-0 and against 14-0. and I really like that. I think it's a game that has a lot of intrigue, a lot of capability of either team winning. But I think if you go back to the semifinals, Kevin, I would have said that about all four teams. Going into the game and previewing the game, I thought Texas really uh, would play well, has a lot of answers to do things well, and they could be a championship-level team. But I said Washington would beat them because you cannot run the ball at all against Texas. So if I'm boring you with previewing the other game, I think it's important, though, to set the tone that Washington was not going to be able to run the ball against Texas. That is a a wall of all walls in the whole country. That Texas front will not let you run the ball. It doesn't matter if it's fourth and inches. It doesn't matter if the Eagles come in with a tush push. They are not letting you run the football, okay? But you can throw, you can beat Texas. I had Washington over Texas because they can throw. So the game unfolds. It happened to be a matchup winner. And credit Washington for just playing out of their mind. I mean, let's just – Let's just transfer those receivers over to the Chiefs this weekend, right? Do you see them go up and get contested balls, Kevin? It's amazing. And then the quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., I felt so bad that I voted him second in the Heisman, Kevin. My my shoulders were drooping as the game continued on. I didn't give this guy enough love. 430 yards and two touchdowns, and the, the way he played and moved in the pocket was outrageous. This team you wonder about in Washington, you know that they – have gone 10 straight games now, winning by no more than 10 points in any game. So they played in a hard Pac-12. They know how to win. Those things are good. But they're going up against a Michigan team that's a lot different. Here's how I break this game down. Washington had an advantage over Texas in the passing game. I thought Michigan and Alabama was very even. I thought Saban might be just a little bit better. SEC competition versus Big Ten. Harbaugh hadn't won a uh, bowl game in a while. Uh, But Michigan got over the hump. I think Alabama made the mistake. The quarterback fumbling shouldn't have happened. But, hey, Michigan shouldn't have had the bad special teams. We, we, we advance forward to this game, Kevin, and I go back to the matchups. I think that there are four units that are the main part of the game, right? Offense and defense. If you look at the offense of these two teams, I think they're both national championship level. But when you go to the defense, I only think Michigan's defense is national championship level. I do not think Washington's is. Um, they played in a Pac-12 where they, are, they don't have to do physicality that you do in the SEC or a team like Michigan, when you saw Texas run the ball, did you see how easy 10 yards was picked up? It was handoff. If Texas would have ever got ahead or even got the ball and tied, I think Texas would have won. They would have, Washington's defense could not stop them. Uh, I think Michigan is going to do it the old-fashioned way. Right. You're going to see six minutes off the clock in Michigan dancing in the end zone. And it's going to well, stress that Washington offense I, I so agree. much. They got to be so perfect. Yeah, they I, could do it. I love Washington's offense. I love the coach. 
I love so, the quarterback. I love the receivers. But I think Michigan's going to get the game by scoring touchdowns in the red zone, keeping the ball, and their offense is going to dominate Washington's defense. And I think that's going to overwhelm the game. I think you're right. I, I do think Washington has to make sure that they hold Michigan to some field goals because the yardage is going to rack up. They're going to get down there in the scoring zone. If they can find a way to stiffen up inside the 20 and hold them to field goals, I think they got a, a really good chance here. I thought Michigan won its game against Alabama more than any other reason because of their pass rush. Uh, it was just insane. They were just all over Alabama all night long. But Penix gets rid of the ball so fast in this offense, Dan. Does it negate Michigan's pass rush? It The word negate is a great word because it's somewhere around there. Uh, Washington's offensive line, this is just a vote, right? I mean, this, these aren't football experts, so let's just be a little careful here. But they were voted the best offensive line in the country. I think the reason why they were voted the best offensive line in the country, and I have to say, I didn't study Washington closely all year, right? I didn't, I didn't list Michael Penix Jr. as my number one Heisman candidate. I put him number two. If I'd have watched him a little closer, maybe I'd have given him first place. Kevin, that offensive line is not a run-blocking offensive line. It's a pass-blocking offensive line, okay? So they are the best offensive line because they pick up blitzes. They get those twists. They get on guys and make it hard. Penix moves well in the pocket, and he gets rid of the ball to a life. Okay? They get rid of the ball so fast, and their guys are so reliable, they catch the ball in the linebacker area for five yards when they need it, you know, diving to the ground and snagging the ball. They're tight ends. Kevin, they are poetry in motion. Watch before the ball snaps. If everyone has a chance to watch on Monday night, watch Washington. When we've seen the Chiefs line up offside, we've seen NFL guys, you know, move and go in motion or get set too late. They're like lollygagging around to get in their positions. Watch Washington, Kevin, tonight. It's like a precision band or drill team. They shift and move and cause all kinds of issues before the ball snaps. They'll go in motion in weird ways, but no one is not ready to roll. Everyone's down in their stance, ready. There's no messing around. This offense has precision before the ball snaps, after the ball snaps. I love what Washington does. I think that they'll negate most of the Michigan pass rush, but it only takes what? One or two sacks. That would not be dominance by Michigan, but you know what I say, Kevin, even in modern football, sacks equal punts. One, one sack by Michigan forces Washington to punt and give that offense another chance. Let's say there's two sacks in the game, okay? Let's act like Penix doesn't really care, but he still takes two sacks. If that equals two punts, that gives Michigan two possessions extra yeah. where they get a free run where Washington didn't score. And I bet you in one of those two, they score a touchdown. That they go back and say, thanks for the punt. Five minutes later, we're dancing in the end zone. That's how they turn the game their way. So, yes, let's watch the pass rush. An awesome Michigan pass rush against an awesome Washington line. It's going to be a heck of a battle. I think Washington will generally win that. But unless Washington plays in front, then they're going to, if they're behind Michigan and they've got to go down a score to catch back up, it's going to grind on them. It's going to be hard. It may happen. Michigan's secondary has not. They played in the Big Ten, Kevin. They've never seen passing like this. Wash, I'm rooting for Washington. I hope Washington wins. I love everything about that. Go study this coach, man. He's from nowhere land. I know. He hasn't been in Alabama for 15 years and, and you know, go through drug rehabilitation and get it. You know, no. This guy came from smaller time football, worked his way up. It's hard to even know how to pronounce his name. And he is winning at a big level. And their offense is elite. I'm rooting for Washington, but I think the matchup's just Michigan's pass rush is enough that they could cause havoc. And I don't think 
you're going to see Washington be able to run the ball much. So it's going to be one-dimensional passing. Can you do that all night long? I just think Washington's defense is so exposed. There's, there's a guy, number eight. He does a really nice job. That Braylon Trice, he hustles. He fights. He's a difference maker. But he's the only one who was elite out there. The other ten guys were getting blocked so easily by Texas. Don't you think Michigan's going to run for seven and then six and then 12 and then four and then throw the ball to the tight end for 15? I mean, how are they going to stop them? That's what, that just keeps coming back in my mind. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Michigan. Not because Michigan's great. It's just Washington's defense is not that great. Should be a great matchup, Stan. We're looking forward to it. I look forward to chatting with you again next week after the first round of the playoffs. We've got a lot to uh, discuss. We always appreciate your time. You are the best, my friend. Thank you. Kevin, great to talk to you guys. Uh, bundle up. <laughs> You're heading to Arrowhead. We no need chance. you to yell. No. Kevin's not going to do it, but there may be listeners out there who are going to be out there. Rooting on the Chiefs, so I say bundle up, cheer loud, can't wait. Oh, at least in Kansas City we get to watch it. Oh, man, I'm glad. That Peacock stuff is a real big subject. I'll let you talk about that, Kevin. You're a media expert. Everyone loves to hear you talk about the media. We'll have you talk about where this thing's going at Peacock. But in Kansas City, not Topeka, but in Kansas City, you just turn it on Channel 41 and watch the Chiefs play Miami. It's already decided. Sweatpants and a hoodie for me at the friend you can't mention on the podcast basement. There is no chance I'm going to Arrowhead. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. We appreciate your time. Playoff football. Thanks, yeah, Kevin. All right. Take care. All right. There is Stan Weber. He is just the best. And a great rundown and preview of the national championship game tonight. What I heard him say is he likes Michigan to win that game this evening against Washington. And uh, we went through all the playoffs as well. Great, great stuff. Your final final is coming right up. Brought to you by Fry Orthodontics, where your smile is just the start. Whether it's Invisalign, ceramic, or metal braces, Fry Orthodontics give you that smile for life. Visit their website. There's videos there to see, and your first exam is free. FryOrthodontics.com. Cross Kitchens online at CrossKitchensKC.com is Kansas City's remodeler. Whether it's just replacing your countertops and redoing your cabinets, or you want to redo your kitchen, your man cave, or a bathroom, Cross Kitchens would love to work with your family this year. Check them out online at CrossKitchensKC.com. And Dr. Bill Bush at North Kansas City Dental for all your general dentistry needs. He is the man. He and his team will work with you at two locations, North the River and in Kansas, online at nkcdental.com, Dr. Bill Bush. All right, our final final has to do with celebrities, and we'll kind of package all this together. If you saw the Golden Globes on Sunday night or heard about this, Taylor Swift was there and Travis Kelsey was not. What Hollywood obviously doesn't know is that Travis Kelsey couldn't be there because it's playoff week and he's with his team flying home and getting ready to play. So Taylor Swift's sitting there and she's dateless and she's up for her era's movie. This the it basically was a movie about her concert tour. And they were nominated for a Golden Globe. She didn't win. But some comedian named Joe Coy is making jokes at the start of the thing. And he goes, as you know, we just followed a football doubleheader here on the network they were on. And I think it was CBS. We just had a football doubleheader. And the difference between the Golden Globes and the football doubleheader is... We don't have as many cutaway shots of Taylor Swift. We only do it once. And they cut away to her and she's sipping her champagne or whatever. And she gave this dude the evil liberal woman stare like you have never seen. Like, you don't make jokes about Taylor Swift. Libs, especially female libs, are so serious about everything. They cannot have fun. They cannot laugh. They cannot joke about these things. And she wasn't having it. She gave him a death ray stare. The room went silent. Nobody laughed. Everybody in the room is afraid of Taylor Swift. Like, she's so big 
They all want to work with Taylor Swift or be with her. She's got all this power. And she, she may have canceled this guy. His name is Joe Coy. I, I've never heard of him until last night. He may be done. That may be the end of his career. The Swifty chicks, the crazoids, all came after him on social media when this happened. You don't make jokes about Taylor Swift. And she didn't like it. And she stared him down. This dude could absolutely be canceled, which is just insane, this Taylor Swift stuff. All right? That's the first thing. Hollywood's nuts, whatever. But I'm so over tailored, I can't stand it. And there's just an evilness to her. You could see it in her eyes. She's just, I do not want to be her friend. I'm sorry. I just don't want to be her friend. I just, I can't. And the fact that there are millions and millions of women in this country that immediately, no matter what, if she's upset with somebody, a comedian, trying, she should have just laughed and she should have led the laughs on that joke and had fun with it. But no, it had to be a serious moment in the death stare. And so millions of Swifties take to social media and are trying to cancel this guy. It's unbelievable. They're, they are so self-absorbed. This Swifty culture is just sickening. Okay, that's Hollywood thing number one. The second thing about the Golden Globes, they're coming up and they, when, they, when they win, the actors come up and they have a cheat sheet and they start reading and have names on there. I thought actors memorized lines, like long scenes. I thought part of the job in acting was you have to memorize like two minutes worth of stuff that somebody else wrote and you have to act it out and get the words right. I always thought, you know, could I act? No, I don't think I could remember the lines. I don't think I could memorize, I'm an ad libber. I don't think I can memorize long stretches of written dialogue. I'm not sure I could do that. I thought they were good at this. If they're good at this, can't they rehearse their speech? I don't understand. I keep watching these Hollywood actors with cheat sheets of what to say and who to thank. Why? They're actors. Take a little time before the event and have it ready to go. I don't get it. And our final final is Cindy Morgan, who you've probably never heard of. She was an actress, but you know who she is. Cindy Morgan died this weekend of natural causes at age 69. Cindy Morgan was in Tron. She was in a bunch of TV shows. She acted through the years. She's not been active really since the 90s or early 2000s, but she had a lot of credits, a lot of acting credits, but she will forever be known as Caddyshack's Lacey Underall. I cannot believe Lacey Underall is dead. Lacey Underall is on the wall right here in my podcast room. Now, do not think of me as a creeper. My studio has... I've got a Between the Lines poster that a listener gave me many years ago that is a baseball field and has wonderful um, words underneath it about what happens when you get between the lines in sports. I've always had that on the wall wherever I work. I have Ronald Reagan right behind me. My father-in-law gave me. I've got a KKHI soundproofing banner thing behind me for when I do Zoom calls. And I have a Caddyshack picture on the wall. It's a painting. And it's Bill Murray and Rodney Dangerfield and Chevy Chase are up there. But the whole cast is on this thing. It's comedic in nature. And over by the side of the tree is Lacey Underall, the niece. Lacey Underall has died at age 69. Cindy Morgan was the actress. Rest in peace, Lacey Underall. That's it. We're off to a great start this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Hit the like, follow, or subscribe button at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. 
Kevin Keatsman Has Issues has been presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC and is produced by Crooked Tail Media. Please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review. For premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at kkhasissues.com for as little as $5 a month. Support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the kklist.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.